start the book with this idea that we, we treat civilization as an iterated game that, uh, where we are basically just iterating in one part of this game. And uh, the game uh, is multiple, um, um, yeah, it, it's potentially pretty long if we do things right. And, and then we ask the question of like, what would it mean to play it well? And so for that, we kind of like first look at the players, which are all of the, all of you guys, really pretty much everyone who's playing the game of civilization. And the first chapter or like chapter three here really is all about, um, trying to make the case that values differ, that we have value pluralism and that it's not going to go away. And so that probably trying to like agree on one civilizational path moving forward is going to be pretty, pretty hard. And at the end of that chapter, we basically come to the kind of conclusion that rather than playing uh, or then trying to agree on like one potentially like ethical strategy or something, and what we should do is set up the playing field such that it enables voluntary cooperation. And so that basically means that it's consensual cooperation where people can opt out and can opt into cooperation. Um, the idea here being that that usually unlocks Pareto-preferred interactions um, by which people uh, are at least better off afterwards um, if they have the ability to consent into uh, into an agreement. We hear a little bit from Juan um, uh, in a sec on like what that would, could look like to take this concept of Pareto-topia seriously. Um, cool. So there's a few graphs on what we mean by that. In particular, if we think about what could it look like to cooperate with other intelligences, for, for them, we really just don't know what they think and what they could want. Uh, but likely, they have goals and they will have revealed preferences. And so at least we can um, take this concept of voluntary cooperation and by which we can uh, figure out how to cooperate with them better if we have the ability for them to kind of like consent uh, into the interaction. And we talk a little bit also what does it even look like for machines to, do, to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, after we set up voluntary cooperation as this kind of like meta strategy, um, we uh, figure out how this has already shaped civilization. So we kind of like discuss um, A, the kind of like decrease in violence over time and uh, what it would look like now that uh, humans have the ability to really consent into interactions much more so than uh, than before in history. Uh, we discover this like mechanism at work here and then we figure out how this would look like uh, in uh, civilization ahead. Um, and we uh, really make the case that multipolarity and that having multiple actors holding each other in check is a good way uh, to do this. We then discuss cooperation and how cooperation has evolved uh, across civilization and all the wonderful institutions, um, including rights, contracts, prizes, uh, and other in institutions that have evolved to allow humans to cooperate much, much better on much larger scales over time. Um, we discuss a few technologies of cooperation that can allow us to do that much better um, uh, in, in addition to like, especially facing collective action problems and then what it would look like to really um, move that ahead. And finally, we discuss what does it look like to do that much better with uh, other intelligences in the mix. Um, and here we basically uh, call civilization at large a super intelligence that through co enabling cooperation of individual participants gets much better at problem solving um, in a pretty decentralized way. Uh, and Juan will talk a little bit more about this mechanism uh, that we're discussing here. But in a nutshell, we really kind of make the case for if we want the future to go well over time, we need to have some kind of mechanisms which allow different types of entities, whether they're computing entities or human entities, to cooperate better in this framework. And we discuss different uh, types of parallels between institutions, computers, markets, and APIs, um, and, and uh, trying to make a case for that there are really ways in which we can uphold these boundaries well. Um, and so that's just the setup of like, you know, if you're interested, you know, we really invite you to, to read the chapters more, but like that is the kind of like 
a broad setup for why we are discussing these technologies, but we think they're important. Um, many of your technologies that you work on made it into chapter five, where we discuss roughly, um, okay, if we think about these technologies of cooperation of info, money, rights, contracts, and privacy, how can we actually improve them using many of the crypto technologies that you're working on? We discuss better ways of, um, uh, of doing information or speech. Um, uh, this is a prediction market that uh, I think Robin came up with at one of our member gatherings quite some time ago. Uh, we discussed prediction markets uh, and a few other concepts here. Uh, we discussed better ways to do property rights, um, uh, better ways to do like the whole DeFi space and so forth. But uh, in a nutshell, we're gonna we're moving quickly to this notion of it would be wonderful to have better ways of actually creating more complex contracts. And here we go through different types of contracts, like split contracts that are half automated, half have a human in the loop. Um, and so forth. And many, like we, we basically propose a few examples just like of what do better, what, are, what do better tools like with which we can cooperate much better over time. And many of your, um, the tools that you're working on are, 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 are in here. Um, and so maybe I'll point that out as you're presenting. Chapter six is all about, okay, we're not there yet, obviously. So what does it mean to peacefully move into this world from where we are currently, where most of the ways in which we interact are through legal contracts? Um, so if you're interested more in like, okay, how can we actually move there? Um, chapter six is all about that. And then as we move more into thinking about how we can defend civilization, uh, we basically make the case. And I invite you to also think about that perhaps a little bit, uh, that there's two main traps in civilization that we need to kind of roughly figure out how to deal with. One will be the trap of technological progress, proliferating and allowing basically um, like a smaller and smaller set of actors to cause larger and larger harm. And so that is through bio risk, through AI, and through many of the other risks that we're also worried about. Uh, and then the other threat is the threat that I think is often a solution, which is uh, in the face of technological progress, some of the solutions that are proposed are often this kind of like controlling, kind of like top-down regime that has an ultimate ability to surveil, monitor, and then enforce um, and for secure, uh, like security, uh, whatever that means in a specific contract, uh, uh, context. And so we basically say that, like, it's like technological threats are real. Uh, they're likely going to get larger over time. But on the other hand, most of the solutions, the standard solutions that are proposed, um, are also come with their own risks, uh, which are like, um, you know, pretty uh, unforeseen consequences that many of these uh, more top-down solutions bear. And so we basically appeal to uh, all of you guys to find decentralized defense solutions. And so that's really difficult. Um, it's really hard, but I think we can maybe come up with a few. And um, there are certainly a few in here, which is like encrypted surveillance. So like it's basically a monitoring uh, regime that is encrypted and that relies on different actors monitoring each other. And um, for example, for bio risk and other risks, but there's a lot more. And we need to, I think we as a community need to come up with them because otherwise we're going to have more top down. Uh, solutions. We make a few proposals here, but we invite you to really take this seriously. How can we defend civilization in a decentralized way? Um, what would it look like to come up with specific technologies here? Because if we don't do it, we're going to get the default solutions, which uh, I think come with a lot of risks as well. Cool. Then cybersecurity and cyber threats are, I think, a really big one that we also invite you to think about and take it seriously. We basically say that they are really undervalued in our current state. And we um, we basically say that if we are worried about AI risk, we should really also be worried about computer security. And, and that's probably going to come uh, much sooner. And, and it potentially is uh, also, uh, it, it could be catastrophic. 
Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in a second with Mark, so I won't go into this now. Uh, but I think we should really take these risks rather seriously. And then finally, the, the big one, AI. So if we survive all of this and if we figure out how we can incorporate better across humans, then we can tackle this problem of like, okay, how do, what does it mean to uh, include AI into the mix? And so the, I think the standard really like uh, and, and traditional way of looking at this is uh, by treating AI as, um, as this potentially AGI as potential singleton, like basically like one actor um, or, or like a, a, a set of individuals that almost can operate as one actor that uh, comes to power um, and uh, and is, is a super intelligence that uh, maybe replaces the existing uh, the existing system and becomes the relevant intelligence. Um, and then you know the question is like, what would it look like to align this agent with human values? Um, and we think this is really really difficult. Um, there's a few first strike instabilities and value alignment is very very hard. And uh, to first figure out what do humans ideally want, and then to try to port that. Um, into the context of one AGI singleton um, and, and have that AGI singleton uphold these values stably over time in a predictable fashion uh, is very difficult. Um, and so we, we, we think that there may be a solution by, um, by having uh, AI be more decentralized, having it incorporated into the fabric of civilization in this way. This is also obviously not easy. It's uh, currently, at least I think the traditional, or, or, or I think the mainstream views that this uh, is the less likely scenario in which we have this more decentralized approach to AI, in which AI actors are basically in a multipolar scenario and can hold each other in check. But I think that if any uh, community can have good solutions on what would that look like if we had specific, um, very intelligent agents that would hold each other in, ch in check in a decentralized manner rather than one um, AI, then I think it's you guys that would have good ideas here. And so we invite you to uh, to, to start thinking about this as well throughout this workshop. Um, we take inspiration from the US Constitution and, and how that works and how it could work across other intelligences. And we rely on a few uh, principles here and make a few, uh, make a few proposals. Nevertheless, fully knowing that, um, that you guys probably have much better ideas here. Finally, um, I think something like uh, a proposal that we make is more like a super intelligent human AI ecology. Uh, Mark and um, Eric Drexler wrote the Agoric Open Systems papers a while ago, and I think they still have a lot uh, to offer here. Um, but yeah, so this is on you guys. Uh, we're just making a few proposals here. We invite you to come up with better ones. Um, I think if we do it well, and if we do get to a world by which we can figure out how we can cooperate in a secure fashion, not only with humans, but also with AIs in a roughly um, uh, multipolar way, um, then I think we actually have a lot to look forward to. And I think in that case, really, AIs are able to um, really steepen our paridotropian ascent as a civilization. Okay, so that's all a mouthful. Um, but it's just to provide you with some rough kind of like concepts, ideas. If you are interested in any, there's much more in the book. But just like, why do we think these topics are important? Why do we think that they're in any way, in shape or form related? Um, there's more in this book. I think, like, to me... The intersection of cryptography, security, and AI is still pretty undervalued. I think that that if this if this community doesn't come up with great solutions for like secure ways in which humans and AIs can cooperate, I have less hope that other communities can do uh, can can do a better job at that. I think that there is really a there there, and we really invite you to take that seriously uh, over the next two days uh, and figure it out. I think that currently many of the things we 
try to do with law, we could maybe already do with some technologies. Um, and, and, you know, if that is the case, then we should really be a little bit more louder about these technologies, that there's a, that there's still a few areas that are still significantly underfunded and undervalued. And we want to kind of point those out and see if we can get more progress happen at those intersections. So thanks everyone uh, for joining for this. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see what you're all producing. I'm always here for questions. Um, and that uh, in concludes my, uh, my introduction uh, and my, uh, and, and my welcoming. And I would love to ask. Did this conversation pique your interest? Maybe it even inspired a bit of existential hope about the future in you. Search for Fawcett Institute on YouTube or Twitter to stay up to date or visit Fawcett.org to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and join our efforts. We are entirely funded by your donations. So please support us if you like what we do. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>